Hello again and welcome to another episode here with Coach Marky Manila um, from initial-impact.com and eslbusinessenglishexperts.com. I hope this is finding you having a great day, evening or afternoon, wherever you're listening in the world. So if you've listened to my last podcast, you may recall that I was speaking and reviewing about Joe Dispenza's fantastic book about bending your absolute perception of life. So when we think about perhaps what you're wanting to achieve in life and how you're going to go about it, the importance is to transform your life by breaking the habit of being yourself. This is what Dr. Joe Dispenza would argue. Okay, and he, He's written a fantastic book, How to Transform Your Life, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. And the subtitle is How to Lose Your Mind and Create a New One, which I absolutely love. Um, because uh, really, when we say about losing our mind, we often think in a negative way, and that can be off-putting, but I would highly recommend that most people need to perhaps look at their mind and then lose parts of it and replace them with something a little bit uh, perhaps upgraded, shall we say. So in this second part of reviewing what he says about him, his book, I'd like you to think about your environment. Now, this is something I look at in my coaching programs with my students and clients. And if you would like to experience a 30 minute free trial uh, life or career coaching uh, or even English coaching session, do jump over to initial-impact.com because I will be happy to give you a free no-obligation experience of that with me. We can look at the problems or challenges you'd like to bring uh, to perhaps overcome in your life. So thinking about your problems creates more of the same difficulties. Um, in fact, your thinking may have caused your problems in the first place. So in the way, they feel so real because you keep revisiting those familiar feelings. Now, Dr. Joe Dispenza, just to remind any of you who didn't listen to the first part of the podcast, he, um, he studied neuroscience, biochemistry. He is an extremely intelligent gentleman and has lived and walked and talked just like I have some of these experiences that he writes about. So overall, he says in his book, that people tend to focus on environment, bodies and time. Okay, so if you want to change, Hold an idealized model in your mind to emulate or to, you know, represent, which is different from the you that exists today. So in a way, Einstein said similar things about it's impossible to create something new with the same energy that got you into a bad situation in the first place. You have to change that energy in a way. Um, now, in a way, you also have to change the model of yourself in order to get a different result. You can't uh, enter into you know, existing situations trying to change them with the same mind that held you into that position in the first place. So familiar memories remind us, okay, or remind us, okay, to reproduce the same experiences. So the environment is what controls our mind in a, in a manner of speaking, I suppose. But the question is, is what is your mind anyway? I mean, it is the brain in action, okay? That would be the definition of it in neuroscience. Your past is also now becoming your future. So when you think from the past memories, you create only past experiences. You can't expect something different in your life to turn up. When you think the same thoughts, you do the same things and then experience the same emotions. It's just absolutely impossible. So when you think about it, the greatest people in history, 
were without a doubt, I would say, committed to a future vision or a goal without any need for immediate feedback from the environment. This is what is so interesting. So when you think about Walt Disney, you know, he is a fantastic, a fantastic example of that. He had a vision of some crazy utopian, you know, fancy theme park and stuff for children that had never been seen, never been seen before. And in a way, these people's minds were classed as ahead of their time, we say, or their current environment. They were literally in the future. And this is why we say it's amazing, it's astounding how they're able to create this. But they were so clear in their minds about exactly what and how they wanted to happen. Um, and that is really important. So the mental rehearsal, in a way, is the key here. Our thoughts can become our experience. So neuroscience has shown that we can indeed change our brains, attitudes, beliefs, behaviours, by thinking slightly differently, that mental rehearsal. We make our thoughts very real. And then the brain changes to reflect that. So we've done this with athletes before when we've just had them imagine shooting fantastic basketball hoops from, you know, distances that are crazy. We've seen it with football and soccer players, you know, hitting those goals. Um, so much has been shown now, certainly in sports psychology, of how we can absolutely get better performances out of people than compared to people training every single day, physically literally doing it. Just by sitting and imagining it very vividly is enough to produce a great physiological response and in fact improvement. So uh, Pasquale Leon, um, he actually did some research, modulation of muscle responses that were provoked or evoked by transcranial magnetic stimulation during the acquisition of new fine motor skills. Now it was in the Journal of Neurophysiology and um, people who mentally rehearsed um, piano exercises for two hours a day for five days had almost the same brain changes as people who practiced on a real piano. Now, how can you explain that? I mean, really? So we could say that their brains existed in the future ahead of the physical event of playing the piano. And when we are truly single-mindedly focused, the brain cannot tell the difference between the internal and external worlds. It's just doesn't happen. So to physically or mentally acquire a skill, we've got to think about learning the knowledge, receiving hands-on instruction, pay attention and use repetition. And it is by this paying attention and repeating new skills that our brains will change. And that's what I do in my, my all of my English coaching, my career integration coaching, interview coaching. We change that. We absolutely focus you in a different way. And again, I use a lot of neurolinguistic programming along with this quantum attraction now to really maximize the speed at which these changes will take place. And your brain and my student's brain and even mine cannot tell the difference between the internal and external worlds that we are creating here. And this is how new results and new experiences and new life changes will take place. Now, there's a third thing to think about that Dr. Joe talks about a lot. In chapter three, he says about overcoming your body. So every time you have a thought, he says there is a biochemical reaction in the brain and the brain then releases specific chemical signals to the body, which act as messages of the thought. So when we think about that cause and effect chemicals for the brain, these are called ligands. Okay. Um, and they include neurotransmitters. So they are mostly found in the brain, neuropeptides. So that's a bridge from the brain to the body and hormones mostly found in the body. So as we begin to feel the way we are thinking, we begin to think the way we are feeling. Let me just say that again, because it's really important we can get a hold of this. 
as we begin to feel the way we are thinking, we begin to think the way we are feeling. So it's like a loop. Okay, so thoughts are attached to the mind, the feelings are connected to the body, and when the mind and body are in unison, the end product is the state of which you will be. Simple as. So after many years, we memorize a state of being something. I am, and then put in whatever you want. Angry, anxious, lazy, short-tempered, stupid, uncertain, shy, whatever. And then the feelings become the way we think. Okay? So we can't think greater than we feel. It's impossible. And if that happens, then sadly, we can't change. So if a student comes to me and they think... They absolutely think that they are terrible at English or incapable of passing an interview and they can't think greater than that feeling, then we see them stuck. And I work in, as I say, a dynamic way to help unstick people who are stuck. And we do that firstly by working at a deep level with the neurolinguistic programming, the thoughts and the psychology of the words you're using about yourself and changing that bodily and mind state and emotional state first before we do any further work on your English, your interview technique, or anything. Because, you know, respectfully to other tutors, if you're only working at that level, it's going to be much harder to elicit effective and long-term change. We've got to support the student or client's emotional state because the body feelings control the mind, the thoughts, okay? So when feelings become the way we think, we can't think greater than we feel, and therefore we can't change. So. Change equals thinking greater than how we feel. So you've got to see a bigger picture in future for yourself. When you see yourself as a victim, um, you know, having too much self-pity for too long, your body is conditioned to remember the feeling of suffering without much conscious thought. It's actually your norm. It's who you are as far as you're concerned, and then you will find it hard to change. And I understand that. I've seen it happen in lots of other people too. And this isn't to negate people who've had traumatic situations or to say that they've had a really hard life. But at some point, that is the thing that then eventually holds you back. And this is why it's really important for us to get help for people who've had traumatic experiences sooner rather than later. If left, it's not the, the person's fault who it's happened to. But this goes on for too long. And this victim and being aware of this and carrying this guilt and this shame means that it conditions the body. Okay, and then it becomes normal, it's who you identify as, and then you find it hard to shift that. So most people don't uh, know that when they think about a highly charged emotional experience, the brain refires the exact same patterns, and they are literally firing away the brain to the past over and over and over again. So this is again why I would say personally that trauma therapy, just speaking about it psychodynamically, personally speaking, I, I'm not a doctor, so there comes a caveat, and I don't want anybody writing into me and saying, you don't know what you're talking about because you're not a doctor. I agree, I'm not. I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist. I've had my fair share of experiences. And what I would say, though, is this. From my personal point of view, okay, then we end up with a problem. If we revisit the past and have to talk about it to a therapist, we can relive that past over and over. And this trains the brain to remember that emotional state. And when the body is in the mind, that's a habit. That's what Joe Dispenser would say. Okay, the body, okay, should not be the mind. It's a struggle to change because the instant we have a thought, 
feeling or reaction, the body just runs that automatic software program and we go unconscious. It's just totally automatic. So you have to unlearn and while you're all thinking and feeling patterns, we learn you better ones. And that can be hard if you're talking about PTSD or complex post-traumatic disorder or any sort of anxiety disorder, but not totally impossible but it does take effort and the right supportive environment and people in your life. Not people who are gonna shame you, guilt you, and force you back to re-look at what is going on and just criticize you. That's, that's vital for you to understand. So surround yourself with positive, supportive people. And when we think about it, the body brain even tricks you. So if you're used to feeling guilty, you will self-sabotage to give yourself something to feel guilty about because you're so used to feeling guilty. Um, your body's used to those chemicals and you keep needing higher doses to feel alive. So you're addicted to the guilt. And this can really wreck your life, your relationships and everything. The same with anger, the same with jealousy, the same with shyness. It's, it's kind of the body gets addicted to the emotions as it does to drugs. And Dr. Joe would say that trying to change that is like going through withdrawal. And if you try to change, the body works, you know, to signal the spinal cord, um, which is like, you know, the fast track to talking to your central nervous system and the hypothalamus, which releases hormones to make you return to your old ways. So you start having thoughts like, I'm too tired, I'll try tomorrow. It's okay to feel bad. It's not your fault, it's your mum's fault, right? Remember what they did to you. You can always start to blame other people. And on some level, of course, it does feel good to be bad, right? Um, when we listen to these thoughts, mental forgetfulness, amnesia sets in, that's what Dr. Joe says, and we forget our original aim. The funny thing is, he says, that we actually begin to believe what the body is telling the brain to say to us. So if we use familiar feelings as a measurement to or feedback on our change efforts, we will always try to talk ourselves out of greatness. I've seen it happen with many students where they say, oh yeah, but that doesn't happen to me, that happens to other people. Oh, I'm not as good as you're saying, right? Now, I would say that the key on this one is help is just a, a moment away. True change requires unmemorization of emotions that are part of your personality and then reconditioning the body to a new mind. Um, by itself, right? conscious positive thinking alone cannot overcome that subconscious negative programming. So this is why this kind of, you know, positivity and you know, positive thinking isn't really going to do it. Um, I really don't support the theory of just positive thinking. It's about an emotional state as well. Um, we can't just do this thinking at one level only. We've got to work at the full body level. So consciously talking about being happy doesn't work because on a very simple, um, I suppose, vital level, we can't bring up that true feeling of happiness. So if we can't do that, the brain and body aren't working together. You've got to literally get the state of feeling happy in the body to then elicit that same absolute thinking and change the thoughts to happiness. Because our body has been conditioned to be negative, positive thinking alone wouldn't work, right? And the memorized feelings limit us to recreate the past. So the emotions are the end products of past experiences in life. Um, and that chemical continuum fools the body, tricks it in a way to thinking it's still in the past. So when we think about it, scientists used to think that genetics caused illness, right? And now they've actually found it's the environment which activates 
that deactivates different genes that causes the disease, and that study is called epigenetics. So 95% of illnesses are related to lifestyle choices, stress and pollution. I can certainly agree with that in the Philippines, you know, the pollution is a bad thing. Um, organisms adapt through general uh, and gradual genetic modifications, and then record those experiences in their brains and emotions in their bodies, and that equals change over time. Okay, simple as. So when we keep thinking and feeling the same way, our internal chemicals keep activating the same genes and we keep making the same proteins and the body gets worn down from repeated demands and starts breaking down and making cheaper proteins after 10 to 20 years and that's what aging is. So um, in a way, we can create an emotion by thought alone. And this is, this is very important for you to understand. There was a Japanese study um, and it was cited in um, a great, great piece, The Divine Code of Life, 20, I think it was 2006 actually. And in this Japanese study, diabetics who watched the humorous video after eating had healthier blood sugar levels than those who didn't laugh. And 23 of their gene expressions had altered. Now, can you explain that? You know, why do our emotions turn on some gene sequences and turn off others? So sometimes a gene expression can change, you know, quite dramatically. Like, you know, people whose hair turns white after extreme stress. It's like my father, you know, and he had a quite a traumatic experience and midway in his life and literally lost loads of his hair. So, you know, sometimes this happens. And in the 1992 Journal of Neurophysiology Study, um, there was a great piece by UG and KJ Cole and they said that strength increases from the motor program comparison um, of training with voluntary, so maximal voluntary and imagined muscle contractions, okay? So they were looking at strength increases from the motor program and comparison of training with maximal voluntary and imagined muscle contractions. So people who mentally rehearse finger exercises had a 22% increase in muscle strength, right? Um, and that wasn't far from the 30% of people who physically exercise their fingers. So the mind has a physical effect on the body. They just had to mentally do it and the, the increase was not too far from the actual physical version of it. So overall, what we think about here is Dr. Joe is saying that in the present, when we're in the moment, all future potentials exist, just like quantum attraction, right? It's the quantum field. But when we're stuck in the past, well, none of those new potentials exist. It's impossible. So when trying to change a state like, you know, people are like addicts in a way, they're addicted to familiar chemical states of being. And addictions, you know, the body has a mind of its own, right? People memorize emotions. They have a thought and that triggers a memory and that triggers an emotion. And in time, the thought itself becomes a memory, becomes an emotion, and in time, the emotion is memorized, right? So from a subconscious level, most physical and mental processes take place below conscious awareness, right? And that's the automatic nervous system. So we don't think about things such as whether we're heart's beating, whether we're breathing, etc. And it's hard to change because the mind is in the present. Okay, and the subconscious body mind is in the past. So that conditioned response is produced automatically via the automatic nervous system. And unfortunately, the brain works by repetition and association. So it doesn't take a major trauma to produce the effect of the body becoming the mind. Um, if we think about it, 
mood is important here. So short-term chemical state, a few hours or days, expression of a prolonged emotional reaction, the chemicals are used at right away and they linger. Okay, And then we have a temperament, so the tendency towards habitual expression of an emotion through certain behaviours, that might be weeks or months. And then a personality trait, so a refractory period of emotion, maybe last months or years. Okay, so this is how emotions to moods to temperance to personality traits, how we condition the body to live in the past. It involves the mood, temperament and the personality trait. So ultimately the personality, that's results, is how we think, act, feel, is usually anchored in the past. And we can't change when we live in the predictable future. Okay, um, when we train ourselves to live in a predictable future based on known past, we miss the precious now, which is where all change Becomes possible, all realities become possible. If we focus on an intended future event and then plan how we will prepare or behave, there will be a moment when we're so clear and focused, as Dr. Joe, on that possible future that the thoughts we are thinking will become or begin to become the experience itself. And if you start keeping track of your thoughts and write them down, you'll find that most of the time you're either looking ahead or thinking back. Okay? So now what you want to do is live your desired new future, but in the precious present, as he would call it. Don't obsess about the stress or trauma you fear in the future based on past experience. Obsess about a new desired experience you haven't yet embraced emotionally and have yourself live in the potential future now until your body begins to believe you're experiencing those emotions now. So just to recap here how this relates is this. If you're always thinking about your problems or why you failed in the past, you are still creating that. You're either running a past program or you are forecasting that forward into your future. I'm going to fail in the next interview. I'm not going to be successful in my next exam. My next relationship will fail. They always treat me this way. And you will get that reality. And then you'll say, well, it just always happens to me. No, in a way, you are doing it to yourself. But the original trauma was not done by yourself. This is what's really important. We're not blaming anybody here, but it's important to know how it is then perpetuated and how to try and shift out of that. So if you want to have a fantastic job and do well in that interview and get that or speak exceptionally good English, what you have to do is imagine that happening now. See and feel it happening now. I want you to obsess about sounding great in your next presentation, I want you to obsess about doing a fantastic job interview and how everybody's clapping and applauding at the end of it almost, right? And have yourself live in that potential future. Now, I want you to imagine driving to work, but you're driving to your new office every day, okay? I really want you to create a vivid experience because that's important. So ultimately, I hope this has been of interest to you to just talk about this book a little bit more. Dr. Joe, some fantastic thoughts and opinions about so many different things um, and you can check out his book on the website down below I've got a bookshelf now a bookstore so you can check them all out there do get across to my bookstore and have a look um, anything that you purchase there it does actually help support independent bookstores as well so 10% of the actual purchase price goes towards supporting independent bookstores 
And of course, I receive a small percentage as well. And that helps me create these podcasts, okay? And carry on producing YouTube videos too to help support you completely free of charge. And of course, some free chapters to my latest courses. If you would like to talk about any of the issues in here, if you've been impacted by anything, having problems changing or unsticking yourself from your present situation, get in touch with me, grab a free 30 minute session. It's a dash, uh, sorry, initial-impact.com. Okay, uh, and I'll be delighted to work with you. And let's just see how we can unstick you too from any stuck position. But remember this, ultimately, ultimately at the end, if you want to break the habit of being yourself, you have to lose your mind and create a brand new one. Otherwise, you're just running the same old program. So whatever you're doing today, challenge yourself, check whether you're running the same program. And if you are, decide how do you want to change it? What other thought would you replace it with? And go ahead and do it. And feel free to write in and let me know how this has worked in your life. I'd be delighted to hear from all of you. And I'm wishing you all the very best of success and luck. Keep going and keep attracting the future you want in your life. Thank you.